Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and you've reached the Book of Mormon Lecture Series. I've been teaching seminary and institute for the last 11 years, and uh, this is an attempt to do a deep dive into the Book of Mormon itself. I'm hoping that you'll find this uplifting and edifying. This is not an official recording of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but every attempt has been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. So if you're ready for a deep dive into the Book of Mormon, here we go. Hi, and welcome back to the Book of Mormon podcast. This is going to be Helaman chapter 8. In the last chapter, Nephi had been praying, and the people had heard him, and they've come running to find out why he's praying and why he's so sad uh, for the wickedness of the people. So now let's continue the story. Verse 1, Now it came to pass that when Nephi had said these words, behold, there were men who were judges, who also belonged to the secret band of Gadian. And they were angry, and they cried out against him, saying unto the people, Why do ye not seize upon this man, and bring him forth, that he may be condemned according to the crime which he has done? Why seest thou this man, and hearest him revile against this people and against our law? For behold, Nephi had spoken unto them concerning the corruptness of their law. Yea, many things did Nephi speak which cannot be written, and nothing did he speak which was contrary to the commandments of God. And those judges were angry with him, because he spake plainly unto them concerning their secret works of darkness. Nevertheless, they durst not lay their own hands upon him, for they feared the people, lest they should cry out against them. Therefore they did cry unto the people, saying, Why do ye suffer this man to revile against us? For behold, he doth condemn all this people, even unto destruction. Yea, and also that these our great cities shall be taken from us, that we shall have no place in them. And now we know that this is impossible, for behold, we are powerful, and our cities great, therefore our enemies can have no power over us. And it came to pass that thus they did stir up the people to anger against Nephi, and raised contentions among them. Sounds like liberal Democrats in our day, doesn't it? Calling good evil and evil good. For there were some who did cry out, Let this man alone, for he is a good man, and those things which he saith will surely come to pass, except we, we repent. Validity draws the fire. Jacob's older sons mocked the dreams of their younger brother Joseph, saying they were foolishness. Yet they could not rest until they had sold him into bondage. Joseph Smith was a youth of no special standing, of no social standing, and no hint of eminence. Yet men of high standing excited the public mind against him. Why the opposition against that which has been declared foolish? Again, validity draws the fire. And that was by Millet McConkie. Verse 8, Yea, behold, all the judgments will come upon us, which he has testified unto us, for we know that he has testified aright unto us concerning our iniquities, and behold, they are many. And he knoweth as well all things which shall befall us, as he knoweth of our iniquities. So as he's telling them the truth about what's actually happening, they're also trusting that he knows about the future, because he's being honest with them and, and can predict and prophesies of the future, and they understand him. Verse 9, Yea, and behold, if he had not been a prophet, he could not have testified concerning these things, concerning those things. And it came to pass that the, those people who sought to destroy Nephi were compelled because of their fear that they did not lay their hands on him. Therefore he began to speak unto them, seeing that he had gained favor in the eyes of some, insomuch that the remainder of them did fear. And Russell Ballard said, As a church, we recognize that the gospel of Jesus Christ, with its saving truths and teachings, provides the most effective preventative and rehabilitative assistance in overcoming criminal behavior. Parents bear the first and greatest responsibility to teach their children principles of gospel living and good citizenship. We should also support the efforts of individuals, organizations, communities, and governments to assist them and help, and help prevent crime. 
We should work within our respective legal and judicial systems to enact and enforce laws that provide necessary protection against criminals while ensuring essential rights and freedoms. And we should volunteer to support and assist government leaders in promoting programs designed to protect and strengthen families and communities. I know it is sometimes hard to stand for truth and right, yet we need to be positive examples if we are to help others find a better way. Thankfully, we can draw strength from those who have gone before us. While the road they, they walked may have been different from the road we walk today, the courage required to be faithful is similar, and their experiences are instructive. So as Nephi is showing his boldness here, we need to look at his example and do likewise. Verse 11, Therefore he was constrained to speak more unto them, saying, Behold, my brethren, have ye not read that God gave power unto one man, even Moses, to smite upon the waters of the Red Sea? Israelites always remember the parting of the Red Sea story. And they parted hither and thither, insomuch that the Israelites, who were our fathers, came through upon dry ground, and the waters closed upon the armies of the Egyptians and swallowed them up. And now behold, if God gave unto this man such power, then why should we, why should ye dispute among yourselves and say that he hath given unto me no power whereby I might know concerning the judgments that shall come upon you except ye repent? But behold, ye, ye not only deny my words, but ye also deny all the words which had been spoken by our fathers, and also the words which were spoken by this man Moses, who had such great power given unto him, yea, the words which he hath spoken concerning the coming of the Messiah. All true prophets testify of Christ. Yea, did he not bear record that the Son of God should come? And as he lifted up the brazen serpent in the wilderness, even so shall he be lifted up who shall come, who should come. And as many as should look upon that serpent should live, even so as many as should look upon the Son of God with faith, having a contrite spirit, might live, even unto that life which is eternal. And now behold, Moses did not only testify of these things, but also all the holy prophets from his days, even to the days of Abraham. Yet, and behold, Abraham saw of his coming and was filled with gladness and did rejoice. The original texts of the Bible probably had much more concerning the prophecies of Christ that have been lost and have been mentioned here in more detail than we currently have in the Bible. Jesus refers to Abraham seeing his day, but it only exists in the Joseph Smith translation of Genesis. Verse 18, Yea, and behold, I say unto you that Abraham not only knew of these things, but there were many before the days of Abraham who were called by the holy order by the order of God, in other words, the Melchizedek priesthood, yea, even after the order of his son. Doctrine and Covenants 107 states, There are in the church two priesthoods, namely the Melchizedek and Aaronic, including the Levitical priesthood. Why the first is called the Melchizedek priesthood is because Melchizedek was such a great high priest. Before his day, it was called the Holy Priesthood after the order of the Son of God. But out of respect or reverence to the name of the Supreme Being, to avoid the too frequent repetition of his name, they, the church in ancient days, called that priesthood after Melchizedek, or the Melchizedek priesthood. Continuing verse 18, And this that it should be known unto the people a great many thousand years before his coming. Adam and Eve knew of Christ's coming, and they taught it to their children, that even redemption should come unto them. 19. And now I, I would that ye should know that even since the days of Abraham, there have been many prophets that have testified these things. One of the teachings of the Book of Mormon that is well known among the members of the church is that the Bible has suffered a loss of many plain and precious parts. This fact was revealed to Nephi when he was given the vision his father had seen of the nations and kingdoms of the Gentiles. Other prophets frequently mentioned in the plates of brass include Zenic, Nehemiah, and Isaiah. The Bible itself testifies of the titles of 11 books which are no longer included and of others that are alluded to which do not include those mentioned in the Book of Mormon. 
Because the Lord has granted humans their agency, he has allowed these parts of Scripture to be taken away. However, he has compensated for this loss by preserving other records to come forth in the latter days, to make known the plain and precious things which have been taken away. Continuing verse 19, Yea, behold, the prophet Zenos did testify boldly for that for the which he was slain. And behold, also Zenic and also Isaias. Zenic was a prophet of Israel in whose personal history, or to what age he belonged, we know nothing. His writings were familiar to the Nephites, as he is quoted by, by Nephi, Alma, Amulek, and Mormon. Isaias was also a Hebrew prophet, referred to by Nephi. Elder Orson Pratt suggests that Isaias may have been identical with Isaias, who lived contemporary with Abraham. Continuing verse 20, and also Isaiah and Jeremiah. Jeremiah being that same prophet who testified of the destruction of Jerusalem. And now we know that Jerusalem was destroyed according to the words of Jeremiah. Oh, then why not the Son of God come according to his prophecy? And now will ye dispute that Jerusalem was destroyed? Will ye say that the sons of Zedekiah were not slain, all except it were Mulek? Yea, and do ye not behold that the seed of Zedekiah are with us, and they were driven out of the land of Jerusalem? Zedekiah was the king of Judah at the time Lehi and his colony fled from Jerusalem. A few years later, when the Babylonians besieged Jerusalem, they slew the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes. Most people have assumed all the sons of Zedekiah were killed at that time. However, the Book of Mormon records that the sons of Zedekiah were slain all except it were Mulek. Mulek was spared at the time of the Babylonian captivity and later came to the Americas. The descendants of Mulek were included among the people of Zarahemla, and later they were numbered among the Nephites. Thus, among the combined Nephite-Lamanite-Mulekite peoples are represented at least three of the twelve tribes of ancient Israel. The tribe of Manasseh, represented by the descendants of Lehi, the tribe of Ephraim, represented by the descendants of Ishmael, and the tribe of Judah, represented by the descendants of Mulek. And that was by Daniel Ludlow. Uh, but behold, this is not all. Verse 22, our father Lehi was driven out of Jerusalem because he testified of these things. Nephi also testified of these things, and also almost all of our fathers, even down to this time, yea, they have testified of the coming of Christ, and have looked forward and have rejoiced in his day which is to come. And behold, he is God, and he is with them, and he did manifest himself unto them, that they were redeemed by him, and they gave unto him glory because of that which is to come. Bruce McConkie said, Christ Messiah is God. Such is the plain and pure pronouncement of all the prophets of all the ages. In our desire to avoid the false and absurd conclusions contained in the creeds of Christendom, we are wont to shy away from this pure and unadorned verity. We go to great lengths to use language that shows there is both a father and a son, that they are separate persons and are not somehow mystically intertwined as an essence or spirit that is everywhere present. Such an approach is perhaps essential in, reason, in reasoning with the Gentiles or sectarianism. It helps to overthrow the fallacies formulated in their creeds. But having so done, if we are to envision our Lord's true status and glory, we must come back to pronouncement of pronouncements, the doctrine of doctrines, the message of messages, which is that Christ is God. And if it were not so, he could not save us. Verse 24, And now, seeing ye know these things, and cannot deny them, except ye shall lie, therefore in this ye have sinned, for ye have rejected all these things, notwithstanding so many evidences which ye have received. Yea, even ye have received all things, both things in heaven, and all things which are in the earth, as a witness that they are true. All things have their likeness, and all things are created and made to bear record of me, both things which are temporal and things which are spiritual, things which are in the heavens above and things which are on the earth, and things which are in the earth and things which are under the earth, both above and beneath, all things bear record of me. And that was Moses chapter 6, verse 63. 
Millet McConkie said, The reality of God and Christ as his Son are the two greatest revelations of all eternity. John the Revelator said that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. That is to say, no one can have this, that spirit without that knowledge. Adam testified of Christ. Enoch, Noah, and Abraham did likewise, as did all their faithful followers. Never, was there, never has there been a prophet of God in any age who was not a special witness of Christ. Never has there been a prophet who did not know that the Messiah would be the literal Son of God. All the prophets who have prophesied since the world began have testified of these things. Verse 25, But behold, ye have rejected the truth and rebelled against your holy God. And even at this time, instead of laying up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where nothing doth corrupt and where nothing can come which is unclean, ye are heaping up for yourselves wrath against the day of judgment. Hugh Nibley said, Another image of great importance in the Book of Mormon is treasure. The Book of Mormon has much to say about earthly and heavenly treasures in the same sense in which the newly found Apocrypha do. Of course, the image is also found in the New Testament. The Book of Mormon prophets explain many references to heavenly treasures in the Bible. Helaman is fondest of treasures, and even at this time, instead of laying up for yourselves treasures in heaven where nothing doth corrupt, ye are heaping up for yourselves wrath against the day of judgment, which I just read. This is the correct concept of what is meant by a treasure. It is a very common idea in the early Apocrypha. We find in the many treasure passages that the treasure is the wisdom and knowledge we left behind as when we came down to this earth. In the pre-mortal existence, we left our treasure in God's treasury, in his keeping. There it is, and by our good works, here we can add to it. More will be waiting for us when we go back. So let us not try to pile up wealth and possessions on earth. They're not going to do us any good. We can't take them back there. Let us lay up our treasures there, add to our treasure store. We really do have one there because we had one before we came. We left it behind and we're going back to it. It's a, it's a very vivid concept and basic to it is the doctrine of the premortal existence. There's a great treasury in heaven which contains all good things. It is to share in this treasury that all seek. But in the Jewish Apocrypha, in the wisdom of Ben Sarah, God orders by his word the lights in the heavenly height. And by the utterance of his mouth, he opens the treasury where the righteous have a store of good works preserved. These are good works preserved already done, and they're being preserved. Everything we add to our credit is being preserved in God's treasury. So this warning that, uh, that Helaman is making, or that Nephi is making here, is the same today. Repent or perish during the second coming. Verse 26, Yea, even at this time ye are ripening because of your murders and your fornication and wickedness for everlasting destruction. Yea, and except ye repent, it will come unto you soon. Yea, behold, it is now even at your doors. Yea, go ye in unto the judgment seat and search, and behold, your judge is murdered, and he lieth in his blood, and he hath been murdered by his brother, who seeketh to sit in the judgment seat. And behold, they both belong to your secret band, whose author is Gadian, and the evil one who seeketh to destroy the souls of men. So at the end of the chapter here, Nephi is predicting or prophesying uh, about the chief judge's murder. And he's doing that to show that if this is correct, then the other things that he's mentioned are also correct. I bear testimony that these things are true and say this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. See you next time. Bye.